0: Tennessee becomes the first state to ban drag shows for minors and to ban gender-affirming care for minors. Now, this sent the progressive Christian community, also known as heretics, into a tizzy online. We'll talk about why it's important for the silent majority to stand up on issues like this. We'll talk about that and more today on Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Anchor. If you're looking for first-class customer service and helping you get your business off the ground, then you need to go to our friends over at Anchor. That's A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. Not only can they help you with staffing, payroll solutions, accounting, bookkeeping, uh, your taxes, because it's going to be tax season soon for your business, and, and so much more, uh, they can help you take your business to the next level. They've done it here at IndieThinker in so many ways that I can't even illustrate, but But I can just tell you, if you go over there right now, you can see it for yourself. So go to ancur.biz to take your next step in building your family's financial future by starting a business and creating wealth for yourself. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Today is a wonderful day. Tennessee has become a state that is setting a trend that will hopefully sweep this nation. They have banned officially drag shows for minors and gender affirming care for minors. Now, you'll see on social media and other places, uh, you'll see publications that say Tennessee bans drag shows. Now, of course, this is a total lie. They They banned drag shows for children. So now, whereas we used to live in the reality, where cops were keeping concerned citizens like myself outside of these businesses and keeping us at bay when we showed up, now how the tables have turned, now the police are going to be entering those businesses. And if there is a child in these uh, drag shows, they will then be shutting down the drag show and busting those who are involved in the business of trying to sexually indoctrinate children. Now, I I want to defend this, even though I've done it much on the show in the past, because there are those out there, especially in the progressive Christian community who feel like Christians shouldn't be so hateful by trying to protect children. What a hateful business indeed. Uh, By saying things like uh, these drag shows are not sexually explicit. They're They're just shows like any other regular show. Of course, men shoving their fat bodies in lingerie and shaking their butts in front of children is not sexually explicit. Okay. And what world do you live in? Now that we're coming back to reality, we understand that there is an incredible difference between some of the shows where women are dancing on stage and men who think, They are women are dancing on stage. These are definitely sexually explicit in nature, and it is a bright day because these uh, shows have been banned for children in Tennessee and a bright day, too, for those kids who will have the opportunity to actually come of age to the age of consent and be able to actually make a more informed decision when their brains are more fully formed about whether or not they should be involved in the nasty business of gender affirming care. Now, um, I wanted to bring this up not only to celebrate, but to also speak to those of us among us who might have allowed our social media to go silent on such an important day. I want to remind each and every one of you, especially in the Bible-believing community of Christians, in other words, real Christians, so outside of the auspices of the heretic community and the progressive Christian community, real Christians who believe the Bible— what should have happened on your social media account the day that this happened is you should have been rejoicing publicly and verbally that, uh, that there were people who were now going to be saved as a result of this bill in Tennessee. You should have been praising the voices that had made this possible and those who gave the courage and the confidence to an otherwise gutless group of people we call politicians who gave them the courage to stand up for this thing and believe that they could push it through and get it on the desk of our Governor Bill Lee and Bill Lee will sign this and it will become law in the state of Tennessee because a group of people decided not to remain silent anymore. And so today's show is really going to be dedicated to the, hopefully, uh, the the mislabeling, uh, hopefully it'll become a mislabel of those people who are in the silent majority. Because no longer does the majority need to be silent, silent, they need to be outspoken as much as they possibly can be. Don't fall for the likes of the Christian progressive who wants to tell you that because you stand up for truth, somehow you are being hateful. Now, the way you do it is incredibly important, but that's never the issue for the Christian progressive out there. It's never the issue for those who want to tell you that uh, Jesus just loved everybody and he loved everything. So you don't need to speak out against this. Right now, our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ community are hurting and they need our love. Our love is best positioned in a celebration that declares that children are now safer because these people will not be able to get their grubby little hands on them. We really need to do that. And we need to do it because we care about people who are deceived into thinking anything other than that. Now, if we really care about the truth and if we really care about these people who are supposedly marginalized but have control of the media who is going to all condemn Tennessee for doing this. Now, here's why we must celebrate, um, among other things. One of the reasons we must celebrate is that hopefully by now, for those of us in the real Christian community, again, who really believe the Bible, in other words, Christians— For those of us in that community, I hope we by now realize what happens when we are silent. What happens when evil is unopposed is that it marches into the most important places in our society, in our institutions. It marches into the academy. It marches into the public school system. It marches into the halls of Congress. It marches into our local businesses, and it marches into public spaces where our children are present. See, unopposed evil is a permission slip to do more of it. They need more voices. And if nothing else, let me bring out perhaps the cliched uh, reprimand that you've heard on every single Super Bowl Sunday in every single church across America at one point in time or another, which is that you celebrate when your team wins, but what about the celebration that you have at church? I I think uh, maybe it's cliched and hackneyed a little, but but, but there is a truism underneath it all that we, what we celebrate defines us because it's what matters to us. And if we didn't celebrate what took place in Tennessee, it, it could be because it really didn't matter to us at the end of the day. And that's a deep, deep problem for those of us who are Christians. So there's a couple of reasons why you maybe didn't celebrate like you should have. And of course, you can always... Go back and do that after the show but it could be because you're just not paying attention now if you don't live in the state of tennessee i can understand if you don't know what's happening here however i would encourage you to pay attention what's happening in places like tennessee so that you can replicate that in your own states the bills that just passed in tennessee should be passed everywhere again it doesn't ban gender-affirming care for adults, it doesn't ban drag shows for adults, and nobody in the conservative community actually had a problem with drag shows taking place in their city. They happened in Chattanooga all the time prior to them trying to push this down the throat of children. The moment they did that, a group of people stood up and said, not on my watch. Um, so you should be doing the same and you should be paying attention. Now the other reason maybe you didn't celebrate on social media is because you just don't care. Now this is a deep, deep problem for those of us who are Christians and certainly for those of us who are conservative. Now, maybe you don't care because of this reason that I would ask you to consider. I would ask you to consider if you're just too scared to speak out and you've been scared into silence because you don't wanna let people know that you actually really care about this thing. And so what you've actually done is you've put yourself in a position of moral superiority and you've said, well, I don't talk about these things online because I don't stir the pot and I don't outrage post and I don't, I don't talk about these things online because these conversations are for, um, are for individual conversations at a, at a dinner table or something like that. Please, dear friend. My, my plea throughout this show is that when the silent majority stays silent, the culture gets twisted and it thinks that it can even do these things for kids. These bills should not be possible or should not, should not be needed. They should not be even on the books because it should be so obvious that kids should not be at drag shows and kids should not be consenting to gender-affirming care or their parents for them that, that it is unconscionable that we even have to have laws to do this kind of thing. But you know why we do? We have those laws because of people like you who didn't celebrate when good things were going on. And so evil people in our society thought that they would be unopposed no matter what they did because the silent majority stayed silent. And at least I can say this, whether it's you or myself, I don't want to be responsible on my watch for these kind of things to take place because I didn't speak up when I had the opportunity to do so. Staying silent when you know the truth is a recipe for disaster. Let me prove this to you real quick. The Bible talks a lot about silence, so Christians are real quick to bring up these verses out of context whenever anything like this happens. They'll say things you know, like that the Bible tells you, you know, that you need to listen, and they'll even bring out cliches like you have two ears and one mouth. Um, and even there are some pastors who are still so deceived into thinking that the world is looking for their human compassion rather than the truth of God's word. That they will say well actually what we need to do as christians we just we need to listen to our lgbtq brothers and sisters right now they're they're hurting over this bill and 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 we need to hear what they have to say about it no dear friend the bible tells you to be quiet for the same reason that gk chesterton said that you need to have um an, an open mouth just long enough so that you can close it around something solid So the reason you have silence is because it enables you time to process your thoughts um, and not just prematurely put your thoughts out into the world when they're not really ready, but silence allows you to think deeply on things so that once you have come up with a good idea and once you realize the truth, then you can finally articulate it out into the world. So you see, silence has its place. It's for the purposes of preparing you to speak. Silence in and of itself is not morally virtuous. So let me give you a couple more reasons why you need to speak. Speaking helps you think. Not, Not only does silence help you think, but speaking helps you think. So when you speak, it forces you to articulate your thoughts in a way that people can comprehend. And it forces you to think about how you're going to do that. See, speaking is so vitally important. This is why so many Christians today are not truly able to articulate their faith because they haven't taken the time, yes, to be silent and think about it, but then to speak about it openly to others because they're so afraid that somebody may come with a counterfactual and they won't know how to answer them in the process that is handicapped to many Christians and they don't know how to articulate their faith. Now, speaking forces you to do do that. It forces you to take the ideas that um, are esoteric and in your head and then bring them out into the real world where they can be tested. And so that's the second thing here is that speaking creates an opportunity for negative interaction, which is actually good. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but welcome to Jesus who constantly spoke things that seemingly on the surface seem contradictory until you go deeper and you realize, boy, there's a deeper truth here. And the truth is, is this, that negative interactions with your ideas are actually very, very helpful to you because then you can refine those ideas and those negative interactions can actually equal better thinking. So for your own sake, you need to speak. And for the sake of others, you need to speak. You moralize cowardice when you are silent. Your silence is permission for these things to go on on a regular basis. Look, listen, if you don't believe me at this point in time that your voice matters and that the truth spoken actually has an impact, can I remind you how damaging lies have been to our society? Look at the impact of lies. They're incredibly powerful. Just think, If you did your job as a a believer or as a person, even of conscience, and you started speaking the truth regardless of how socially acceptable it was, by the way, history has always fallen into the hands of those who are outliers, who are willing to buck trends and really do so and not just feel like a renegade or a rebel, but actually stand for the truth when the rest of the world wants to go through the pathway of insanity. Um, Suffice to say, when you actually speak the truth, it makes a huge, huge difference difference because it's way more powerful than lies. And lies are pretty powerful. Let me give it to you by way of analogy. I was scrolling the other day through social media and I found a, a video of a landslide, a huge mountain, coming down, people screaming in the background, and I just had to turn it off. I just don't have the stomach for sitting there and watching people suffering. You know, there's a small niche group of people out there in the world. I don't even remember the name of these videos, but where where actually there was these underground tapes of people getting to watch other people die. It's disgusting stuff. There's a small niche community of people who actually want to turn human suffering into a spectator sport, Uh, but, but... but that's not really what moral people of conscience want to do. They can't stomach watching suffering. And so they have to quickly scroll by it. If you're at least a person, a person that has any modicum of morality, you can't just sit back and, and turn people suffering into entertainment. And the reason for that is a couple of reasons why. Is that, is that one, you, you don't want to just watch natural disasters and glorify those things because they can happen to you. You realize that. But you also don't want to watch them because there's something deeply embedded in the human soul that you are supposed to be a remedy for some of the, the, the darkness of our world. And when you start staring difficulty and badness in the face, it makes you feel responsible for it in some ways. See, this is why I think we avoid those kind of things. And this is why we can't avoid speaking up. This is why we cannot reside in the silent majority camp and why we cannot let opportunities to celebrate really good things that are happening all around us pass us by. Because actually we were created to make a difference. This is why very often we avoid things that are going on all around us and we don't wanna celebrate when a Tennessee bill like this comes around is because when we start paying attention, then we become responsible. When we stare the devil in the face, we can no longer pretend as though he doesn't exist. Now we are held responsible, if you're a person of good conscience, for doing something about it. In the same way, watching natural disasters forces you to say, what can I do to try to help these people who are suffering? And, and it's too much for us to think about that if we intend on doing nothing. So what do we do? We scroll on, we move past it, And we just try to let it go by so that we don't have to be responsible for being moral people in society. And in the process, the people of our society suffer because the voices that need to be heard the most are in the silent majority. And I'll try to show you why it's so important that we stand up and that our voices be heard in our top stories today. But well, just the other day, I was playing with my kids in the yard, and they wanted to build a fort. So we grabbed some cinder blocks, put it around a tree, um, and then we took some old screens from some windows that we weren't using, and then we put that over the top because they wanted to see out, and uh, this fort quickly turned into an intergalactic spaceship. Now, my two boys were in the ship, and I couldn't get in there because it was way too small, uh, but uh, it was okay because I had a role to play, and that was to be the mutant alien trying to attack the spaceship, and whatever make-believe button they pressed and then announced what was coming out of the spaceship, I had to respond. So they were shooting me with kind of like electrocution force fields and plasma rays and all sorts of things. And uh, and I had to react differently, even like anti-gravity, I think, was one of them. So I had to pretend like I was floating in air. So uh, so I did that with my boys. And, and it reminded me that, that parents, um, especially fathers, are doing what they do best when they are acting like mutant aliens being attacked by their kids and redneck spaceships. Um, but it brought me to this question, too, of what we're seeing with some some teachers, not all teachers, Chris, uh, some teachers in, in society today, unmistakably, who just can't seem, seem to stay in their lane. So I want to bring up a recent vice debate where there was a group of people talking about the role of education for for kids. And um, thinking about this, I came up with a phrase because I couldn't find this idea really fleshed out anywhere. So this idea of teachers not being able to stay in their lane and being able to do what actually teachers are supposed to do, um, I'm calling it mediocrity syndrome. And this is the assumption of duties outside of your primary task in order to excuse your inability to achieve excellence in your given field. So in other words, you, um, you're mediocre at your job. So you have to try to add other things to your job to justify your position rather than just doing what you're supposed to do. Um, And we're seeing this more and more as we see teachers who are trying to groom their children into LGBTQ ideology and the like all over social media. And, And it reminds me, as we talk about the subject for our show today with the silent majority, that it's important for parents to play their role beyond just the mutant space alien and to speak up for their kids' education. So Here is this debate, as it were, with C.J. Pearson from PragerU. And this is a debate about the educational system. I'm gonna assume this is K through 12 and not college because hopefully Vice knows that the jump from college to high school is so big that it's not even worth having a debate about that. So I think they're debating K through 12 here and what education is supposed to be. So they're asking the question, what is education at the end of the day? What's it really supposed to accomplish? So I'll show you uh, CJ's response and then some of the other responses that also took place there uh, during this conversation. So here's that. What's the purpose of education? I think the purpose of education is twofold. One, to help build and support the individual, but also help build and support society as a whole. Because um, even though you may not have a kid in education, you pay taxes to public school because we as a society depend on and need education for society to work. All right, so there's our first answer to what education is really all about. So I'm going to respond to that here in a moment, but I just got to step back. We hear this in like Bible study in churches and stuff. What's your opinion about what Jesus is doing here? It's like, who cares about your opinion? You know, we have like a Bible to tell us this stuff, like what Jesus was actually doing. And we have definitions for education so that we actually know what education is supposed to be. So we don't really need these people's opinion about what education is. But the answer to this woman is yes and no. No, society does not own a child, and that child does not owe society anything. We are forced to pay taxes, but not so that child can feel compelled to give back to society because they're forcing us to pay our taxpayer dollars to this broken system. The responsibility actually lies on the teacher's shoulders to make sure that the kids are listening and learning. That's all. All right, here's C.J. giving his. I think the purpose of education is to educate and not indoctrinate. And I think that in, in a lot of ways, we've strayed from that and the original purpose uh, of what it's supposed to be. All right, so pretty respectable. I think that's a pretty good definition. And we'll actually hear some other, uh, some other definitions here, but, uh, but pretty good for C.J. there. Let's, let's hear what this next individual has to say. I think it should be intelligence and character. I think you should... All right, so again, yes and no. Uh, Yes to intelligence and absolutely no to character. It is not the job of a public school educator to indoctrinate students into their preferred system of values. That's why parents pick pastors and take their kids to church. They have a say-so in who their pastor is. They don't in their teacher. And they definitely don't want a stranger who they don't know teaching them morality. So no, keep your baseless opinions to yourself will take care of character development. That's a parent's job. All right, let's hear again to a person who's going to say something similar. And just to go off that, the idea that education, you have to balance the importance of memorizing the quadratic formula while simultaneously addressing social and political issues respectively. So children have both the know-how, general knowledge, and also kind of self-awareness and character so they're able to develop their own opinions. Again, no thank you. You are exactly the reason why we don't want teachers teaching values to kids. And you may say, "Read, don't be mean, but I as a Christian, do you want me teaching my Christian morality to your kids if you're ever going to have kids? They would probably say no. Look, this guy can't even pick an appealing lipstick color because apparently he doesn't even know he's a man. So how about this? You work on reading and doing math with kids and get them to actually perform at grade level, and then we parents will tell you what will come next but it's not character development from people like you. Yeah, I think that the purpose of education is to understand the world that you exist in and use that understanding as a means for creating change or even understanding yourself on a deeper level now. All right. So this girl's only in high school, or so she's still trying to find herself. So obviously, identity is the foremost in her mind, but actually all the self discovery you do happens on your own time and with your parents in your room by yourself sometimes as well. School is not about self-discovery. It's actually a place where your ego, along with your phone, goes into your backpack so you can pull out a book and learn about somebody other than yourself. If self-discovery happens at high school, great. It will probably happen within social interactions. It's not really about That's not really the thing that the the classroom is about. Sorry. Critical thinking. uh, Learn how to live out your full potential so you can be independent and everything else really flows from there. Okay, so this is not bad. It's actually pretty close. Critical thinking is a vital skill and the public schools do this to a limited degree. But be careful because we're awfully close to something that's pretty dangerous. Um, You should not be telling kids what to think and even that much how to think, especially on philosophical topics. Even in college, you can challenge thinking, but you don't tell people what to think. And especially if it's not based upon objective truth. So the things like there is a God and you aren't him, sure, you can teach those, but pretty much that's where we stop.
1: The purpose of education is to prepare children for the real life and also make sure that they are literate.
0: All right, the best thus far. The purpose of education is to teach reading, writing, and math. The school system started actually really only to teach literacy, basically so people could read the Bible. But this is really the goal of of education at the end of the day. Just recently, a clip went viral recently of some kids showcasing their school and all the amenities that were at their school, and it blew up online. But not because it was, you know, nice, but because people were hating on these mostly white kids for their uh, privileged position and for the school that they had. And listen, this is why people are so skeptical of education in America. You've got a group of people complaining that these kids have a nice school, and that's supposed to be a problem. But there is also an implicit agreement here that I have, and that is that taxpayer dollars should not be going to building state-of-the-art schools that are complete with the best theaters, with all the greatest technological advancements, and even wood shops with all of the greatest best tools. I appreciate kids getting a trade, but come on, stay in your lane. Is that too much to ask? Anyway, here's what I would have said to the question. It is the job of a public school system, K through 12, to assist the parents of their district in teaching children a very limited and pre-approved set of rudimentary information and skills. That's it. We don't need your creativity beyond that. Go take an art class if you want to experiment, but otherwise educate. Don't indoctrinate. Teach kids in a limited way what to think, and that's it. The reason this really matters to us as believers, and especially to me as a cultural apologist, is that... I think we as a society more and more don't have the humility to stay in our lane. Unlike this lady right here. I have a master's degree because when I got certified, I was told I had to have a master's degree to be an Arizona certified teacher. We all have advanced degrees. What do the parents have? Are we vetting the backgrounds of our parents? Are we allowing the parents to choose the curriculum and the books that our children are going to read? I think that it's a mistake. So if you wasted your time and your money in college, that's on you, lady. We need to know you can do your job well, and that's it. And having a degree doesn't mean that. The people who make that decision shouldn't even be the principal. It should be the parents who make the decision as to what education looks like. And trust me, if parents actually get off their phones and started giving a damn about their kids and lifted their voices about what's going on in their schools, they could actually make a difference and they could readjust what's going on with the administration of a school. That's the beauty of a free country. The problem with a free country also is that it gives us so many options that we often get lazy on the things that matter most. Sometimes Christians are the worst about this because we shovel our kids off to private school, we pay a bunch of money, and we think we've done our job as parents and we wipe our hands of the real spiritual formation that's supposed to happen in the home so we have to take responsibility when the silent majority stays silent it's probably because they're not actually engaged perhaps it's enough to help you realize the reason the left has inundated the academy and are slowly working their way into the k through 12 system it's because those who know better are not speaking up because those who hold the key to the future for young minds parents are actually allowing the school system to do whatever it wants. If only we could get parents to stand up and speak up for their own kids, then the school system wouldn't be as radical and bold as it actually is. They wouldn't think that they could get away with cultish indoctrination. And they wouldn't think they could get away with things like what we're about to see, oddly enough, from SNL. Now, when, when people are willing to speak up, it is a, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, again, we could have a conversation about how to speak up, do it lovingly, do it gently, but speak uh, and this is exactly what Woody Harrelson just recently did in uh, in a monologue for SNL. Now I, I find the the monologue actually was somewhat funny, but but not entirely funny, and not entirely meant to be funny. It was meant to be more based than than anything. So Woody Harrelson's the guest. He's a five timer on SNL this past weekend, and he stood up and started speaking about. Well, let's say a favorite subject of the left these days, because there are still weirdos wearing masks out there in the world. And Woody Harrelson took on VAX mandates, and he did so in epic fashion. So I'm going to read it for you now, just from from one portion of his monologue. So Woody's saying that he got a script and he's telling us about it. And he said, so the movie script goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. And people can only come out if they take the cartels drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who's going to believe that crazy idea being forced to take drugs? Now, let's just say that uh, Woody's a brave man, but the best part of that monologue is the silence when he was saying it. Now, of course, the Twitter mob was not silent. They were deeply offended that this anti-vaxxer is up there spouting his mad conspiracy, conspiracy theories like the coronavirus was created in a Chinese lab and that masks are the only way to prevent forest fires. I mean, prevent uh covid or of course these are the people who want to defend that little elf fauci who lied about gain-of-function research under oath supposedly if you're a right-wing conspiracist now l- let me say one more thing about this because i've talked about claptor before on the show and that's where you make some political point that's intended to just get claps rather than laughs. And that's why it's called clapter, not laughter. Um, but but I'm okay, actually okay with clapter to a degree. Here, here's why this is not hypocritical on my part to say I love this clapter and not others. Because we clap for skill. When we're clapping because someone, who, by the way, is not really a comedian and was actually making a pretty solid point and was kind of funny, um, when he deftly handles a stinger, you should clap. And Woody's little story took many twists and turns to throw the audience off, and uh, it did accomplish its mission. So uh, I would say clap away at stuff like that, because he actually brings up a pretty solid point. When people are regurgitating propaganda, especially people like Colbert, and they want you to clap... Don't be seals. Don't clap because that's what they want you to do. Clap because he actually did something right and true and good. And this is where I have to bring up something that I think is vitally important. The idea of agreement is kind of a funny thing. And, and we shouldn't be looking for agreement, but we should be looking for clarity. And more important than even clarity, we should be looking for depth. Because Christians do this all the time. They think that agreement is the only way to truly show your bona fides of compassion and love. That we just have to find some way to agree with people about things that we should never agree to. Things that our scripture are pretty dead set against. And that doesn't mean you have to be a jerk, but it doesn't mean that you have to take a stand for crying out loud and not just be a guy with a heart, but a guy with a spine. So, so Christians do this all the time. They're searching for agreement wherever they can find it to seem as though they are morally righteous and superior, and they aim amen what they agree with and only that, but they never allow these preconceived notions to be tested, and they rarely find things that they disagree with and then think deeply about them and go back to them and then like them because they realize that it didn't affirm what they actually thought, but that it was true. So we need to open our mind to the idea that we're not looking for agreement. We're looking for the truth. That's why claptor here, I think, is good. Moreover, is, um, is is something that shouldn't necessarily cater to the crowd. Woody's making this joke at the expense of the people in his audience. He's not looking for agreement. He's actually looking to tell the truth as he sees it, it sure seems, in the midst of making this joke. But nonetheless, he's definitely not pandering to the audience, which is what most late night hosts are doing and why they they have shows that are absolutely failing but but here's the real reason i wanted to bring this up in the context of the silent majority there were some people who ventured outside of the safety of the silent majority uh, during covid and now their efforts are are actually being seen in in real time unfortunately three years later well two years later we're, we're seeing their efforts in real time start to to come to fruition. We're starting to see that it was beneficial to us as we hear things like this. The Department of Energy just released their research stating that they think it is most likely that the coronavirus came from a lab. Now, this is not the scientific consensus across the board, but this is the consensus that was created from the Department of Energy who did a long, a prolonged research on on the subject. And 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 Perhaps most importantly, that the mask thing was the big kind of social divider, and people were, uh, like Christianity today, were very quick to put Francis Collins up uh, on the podium and, and elevate him to a position of, you know, Christian evangelical pride and say, all Christians listen to Francis Collins rather than their common sense. But now we are learning from places like the Free Press, who showed us that Cochrane, which is a, um, a medical research organization, one of the most prestigious in the world, has now revealed that masking cannot stop COVID like at all. And, and so I want you to see this from the Free Press. This is more great reporting from Barry Weiss and the guys over at the Free Press. But, but it, their article on this says this, Medical journals have hailed it for being the best single resource for methodological research and for being recognized worldwide as the highest standard in evidence-based healthcare. And again, this is coming from Cochrane, The review conducted by a dozen researchers from six countries concludes that wearing any kind of face covering, quote, probably makes little or no difference, end quote, in reducing the spread of respiratory illness. And then, quote, there is just no evidence that they make any difference, full stop. And yet there are still people in society today who are wearing masks and will fight with you about the efficacy of mask wearing because our old habits die hard. And this is why I bring this up, because the only cure for that kind of lying is opposition. And only Christians typically are the ones who have been endued with the kind of strength and compassion that is necessary to combat that kind of delusional thinking. I'm only waiting now for Christianity Today to take a stand and apologize for stancing Francis Collins as the quintessential Christian example for what we should do with COVID when he was telling us to do everything the CDC and the WHO was telling us to do when it was all fabricated. Now, maybe these guys were just doing the best they could at the time, but it still doesn't absolve Christianity today uh, from making an apology that they were incredibly wrong. When you have pastors getting up on stage holding their little masks and saying, this is the way that you do the Great Commission, this is the way that you show love to neighbors by wearing this, this face mask and then by getting a vaccine that actually is not as effective as natural immunity. That's the way you show your neighbor you love them. Take an experimental vaccine. I mean, I wish we could get Woody Harrelson in our church this Sunday without like, w- without lightning striking the pulpit and him say the same thing, but say it this time to a group of Christians who are too cowardly and too unthinking for themselves to actually take a stand. Now, of course, this is not true across the board, but for those of us who realized That the kind of things that were going on in society at the time and the way the government was lying to us, for those of us who started to scratch their head and say, this doesn't, you know, bear the witness of common sense, and for those who were strong enough to actually speak out against it, are now being, are now being validated And in some ways, this is what Christians should be about. We should be about holding on to truths regardless of what happens in the shifting sands of time and in the shifting Overton window of society. We should be holding on to the truth. And if we don't, there are some dangerous repercussions as we'll show and as I'll show in my last story here. And so there was recently a mural that was painted in Sydney. And I want you to see this mural. Um, I'm going to show it on the screen now and then kind of give you Sky News giving their impression of what took place here. But this, this mural was recently supposedly defaced as though the mural itself wasn't a defacement of public property in the first place. But this mural that in a, in a, in a place just outside of Sydney, uh, was up for a few days before, uh, some people went by and threw paint all over it and then wrote some very nice messaging for people to walk by and see. So here's Sky News talking about what took place in Sydney.
1: The main message, of course, is one of diversity and tolerance. It's really a party to celebrate the overcoming of discrimination. And that's all fair enough, of course. When you live among all this with young kids, as I do, it can be a bit challenging just explaining everything in the right tone and answering all the tricky and innocent questions. But, you know, we muddle along. But then the trouble is, some group comes along and commissions a World Pride mural like this, right in the middle of the city, mixing up sadomasochism, gay pride, gimp suits and kids' teddy bears in one very public location. I mean, someone went too far, didn't they? Someone or some group of people took matters into their own hands overnight. They painted over the mural and daubed the words leave the kids alone right across it. I mean, hardly surprising is it a provocative mural provoked a response. The police say they're now investigating this as an act of vandalism. But many people would agree with basketball legend Andrew Bogut, who tweeted that the original mural was the
0: vandalism, they're chasing the wrong artists. But but I want to make mention of just just two more things about this is that the idea that tolerance and inclusion in diversity means tolerating everything is, a, is just a recipe for disaster. Obviously, when we say tolerate things, we don't mean tolerate everything, right? We're not gonna we're not gonna tolerate murder. We're not gonna tolerate pedophilia. So the question is then, especially in a world where uh, the lines between right and wrong, in fact and fiction, are continually being blurred, where do, where do we find? a source of truth that we can actually stand up for. If you don't find yourself in the deconstructive progressive Christian community where the only virtuous thing you can do to truly be tolerant is to totally trash scripture, and you actually want to stand up for scripture, I would suggest that the silent majority better speak up. Because if we're going to truly be tolerant, we might have to actually discuss what tolerance looks like so that it doesn't become permission for debauchery as it did in this situation. And this is the final and most important point about this disgusting mural, is that this mural is only called art and was enabled to be put up in Sydney because of an increasing move towards secularism and a move away from God. See, I hope we understand that this kind of artwork in Sydney is not going to be relegated and isolated to Sydney. It will eventually come to America, and we're going to have to decide once and for all, Are we going to be emotionally blackmailed by the people who hate the truth the most? Or actually listen to people like hopefully myself who are going to encourage you toward a more valiant and more brave position of standing up for truth, of taking a stand and unapologetically doing so, doing so with compassion, doing so with love, but doing so. The longer we remain in the silent majority, the more permission we are giving to people to create murals like this. The fact that society has gone this far, even all the way in Sydney, should come as a wake-up call to each and every one of us. That when the majority stays silent, then the minority get to do these kind of disgusting, evil things. And at least I can say, as far as me, and I hope for you too, we're not going to allow it on our watch. And whatever way you're taking a stand, I I hope you're doing so in such a way that it's making a difference. And it's not just merely outrage posting. It's not just merely clickbaiting, sure, but it is drawing attention effectively and fighting against things that deserve to be fought against. And if you are, I'd love to hear from you down in the comments section below, and you can leave your respectful comments there. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and most importantly, go with God.